The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Great to see you this morning. Today I'm going to do something that I've never done before. Actually, that's not true. I did it last service. So up until the last service, I had never done this before. In uh, 25 years or so of uh, being in ministry and working in the church, I've actually spent my whole life in the church. But uh, in all those years, I never, ever once heard anyone talk about Nehemiah 3. Now, maybe you have. Raise your hand if you've heard a sermon on Nehemiah 3. Wow, you cheaters. You heard last service. So... um, you know, maybe you've heard somebody talk from Nehemiah 3, maybe chapter 1, uh, or ch- chapter 3, verse 1, the sheep gate, and so on and so forth. I've heard talks on verses in Nehemiah 3, but nothing like about what you're going to experience. And so, this is the one chapter of the Bible nobody reads, all right? There are certain chapters, maybe you've accidentally stumbled onto a couple of those Maybe in Leviticus, you've heard of that. You know, there's a bunch of repeating lists and things that go over and over in Leviticus and in different parts of the Bible. There's even one in the New Testament. But there are different places where there are lists. Nehemiah 3 is a list. And I have never before in my life given a talk from one of the lists of the Bibles, especially a list like this. This is 30 verses. And, um, and to get the whole weight, the feel of this, I'm going to read every single verse. So I'm going to read every single verse, the whole chapter of this really long list in Nehemiah. And uh, then we're going to try and see where we'll go from there. Okay? So... Um, Give me a break on the names, okay? Uh, I normally, I don't speak Hebrew. I know some Hebrew, but I, I, you know, learn, knowing how to pronounce all the names correctly is a lot of work. And so if I have a text that has a Hebrew name, so I'll go and, and research how to pronounce that. But there are so many in this, there's no way I have time to figure out how to pronounce all of them. So I'm going to butcher those, okay? All right, you give me a break. You won't laugh. You won't throw tomatoes at me. You just understand that I'm a white guy from America. Okay? So, you ready? Never done before? Here we go. Nehemiah 3. I went too fast last service. I'll try and slow down a little bit. Take a deep breath. Verse 1, then Eliashib, the high priest, arose with his brothers and priests and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the tower of the hundred and the tower of Hanal. Next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zakur, the son of Emir, built. Now the sons of Hasanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams, hung its doors, and its bolts and bars. 
Next to them, Moramoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, made repairs. Next to him, Meshuhulam, the son of Barachchiah, the son of Meshabal, made repairs. Next to him, Zadok, the son of Benah, also made repairs. Moreover, next to him, the to- Toites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of the masters. Joida, the son of Pasai, and Meshuhum, the son of Behodai, repairs, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams, hung its doors and its bolts and its bars. Next to them, Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Meronite, and men of Gibeon and of Mizpah also made repairs for the official seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Aharai, and the goldsmiths made repairs. Next to him, Haniah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephahiah, the son of Hur, the official of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Herephim, made repairs opposite his house. And next to him, Huchish, the son of Harshabahiah, made repairs. Melchahaj, the son of Haram, and Harshab, the son of Panahamob, repaired another section and the towers of furnaces. Next to him, Shaliab, the son of Halahosh, official of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zehor repaired the valley gate. They built it, hung its doors with its bolts and its bars, and a thousand cubits of the wall to the refuse gate. Moljahiah, the son of Rahab, the official of the district of Bech, Haram repaired the refuse gate. He built it, hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. Shalom, the son of Kohozol, the official of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. And the wall of the pool of Shelah and the king's garden as far as the steps that descend from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azuk, official of half the district of Ben-Zur, made repairs as far as the point opposite the tombs of David and as far as the artificial pool on the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites carried out repairs under Raham, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashbahiah, the official of half the district of Kalai, carried out repairs for his district. After him, their brothers carried out repairs under Bavi, the son of Hadad, official of the other half of the district of Kaliah. And we're halfway through. Next to him, Elziar, the son of Joshua, the official of Mizpah, repaired another section in front of the ascent to the armory at the angle. After him, Baru, the son of Zavi, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the doorway of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Mohermot, the son of Uriah, the son of Hegos, repaired another section from the doorway of Eliashib's house, even as far as the end of his house. After him, the priests, the men of the valley, carried out repairs. After them, 
Benjamin and Hasab carried out repairs in front of their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Masahiah, son of Anahiah, carried out repairs behind, beside his house. After him, Benui, the son of Hadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah as far as the angle and as far as the corner. Palal, the son of Oziah, made repairs in front of the angle and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king, which is by the court of the guard. After him, Pedadiah, the son of Parosh, made repairs. The temple servants living in Opal made repairs as far as the front of the water gate toward the east of the projecting tower. After them, the Kohites, the Kohites repaired another section in front of the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests carried out repairs, each in front of his own house. After them, Zodok, the son of Amir, carried out repairs in front of his house. And after him, Shemaiah, son of Shekiah, the keeper of the east gate, carried out repairs. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shalamiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zaphal, repaired another section. After him, Mashulam, the son of Berahichak, carried out repairs in front of his own quarters. After him, Malchajah and the son, one of the goldsmiths, carried out repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants in front of the inspection gate as far as the upper room of the corner. Between the upper room of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants carried out repairs. Now you know why nobody reads this section of the Bible. <clears throat> Just listening to that, you're thinking right now, I'm pretty sure, what in the world is he going to say now? <laughs> what can you say after that? I mean, what's the point? Well, I believe God can speak to us from that, what I just said, what I just read to you. The first thing that makes this list so incredibly unique and unlike any other list you find in the Bible, really, it's unique among all the lists, is the fact that everyone is at work on this project. And I mean everyone. When I say everyone, I mean Everyone, literally everyone, is working on this project. You look at, at uh, verse 12, Shalom, apparently didn't have any sons. And so when everybody came to do the work of the wall, he shows up with his daughters. And the Bible tells us that he and his girls repaired a section of the wall. And you can picture that in your mind, right? So you have this big stone brick mortar wall, 20, 30 feet tall. There's a section there. And this guy shows up with his girls. And everybody looks at him and says, what's the smallest section we can give him? <laughs> or, you know, they're, they're wearing their dresses, their hair, hair, head covering, you know, they probably seen a hammer and a chisel at some point in their lifetime, but definitely never touched one or used one. You understand, a woman's role in antiquity is nothing like what it is today. Not even remotely close. 
I mean, women back then were only allowed to be involved in the process of making babies, caring for babies, if you didn't have servants or means in your family, then the women would gather food and prepare food. That's it. They didn't teach men. They didn't have authority over men. They didn't have any position of authority whatsoever. They didn't vote, surely. Uh, they didn't really have a say in laws or how things were going to go. It was a male-dominated society. And so from... This, which is the last of the historical books in the Bible, from um, Nehemiah all the way back to Genesis, not a single mention of a single woman anywhere working with brick and mortar and rocks and masonry and construction. (laughs) And then you go from Nehemiah here and go all the way forward, all the way to the end, and you don't see it either. It's unique to this one location. And it's because everybody's at work. Women, children, apparently these are the children of this guy. Older people. All kinds of people. The other thing that I think stands out so interesting in this is the fact that there is a guy who is given a section of the wall, who is a merchant of perfume. So he makes and sells perfume. That's his job. Now, I've been to Macy's before, right, as you have, and you see the kind of people that sell perfume. But here's a guy who's there with his family, He's the maker of perfume, and he has a section of the wall that he's building and repairing. You imagine you're going to do a construction project at your house, right? You're going to repair your fence or a, or a brick wall or something like that, and you call the first person you call, right? I mean, the name that just pops right onto your head is your Avon lady, right? That makes perfect sense. Can you see it in your mind? (laughs) That was probably the nicest smelling section of the project there with Hananiah. Verse 17 tells us that the Levites had a section. Well, this is rare. This is not, it's very unusual. I mean, the the Levites had a very specific, well-defined role. They served in the temple. They're the priests, uh, modern day pastor caring for the temple and all the parts of it and the worship of that and here now we've got them working with big boulders and rocks and stones and masonry and they're working with their hands verse 31 tells us that goldsmiths are working on a section of the walls goldsmiths are only mentioned six times in the bible three of them are here in nehemiah 3 Goldsmiths are people who make jewelry and furniture. You know, they, they make gold and silver uh, pots and, and pans. Or, or if they were to use gold or silver, it's in artwork. It's not in heavy construction. But we have goldsmiths who are at work. Politicians. 
gatekeepers, men, women, children, old people, young people, pastors, shopkeepers, merchants, carpenters, rich people, common people. You get it? You see it? How this is unfolding here? You can probably picture it in your mind. The walls of Jerusalem are miles of walls. And literally every single person is at work. It's everybody. This is an all-hands-on-deck project, the only one of its kind. This is, I guess you could say, this is God's project. right? Man has his projects. In Genesis, man had a project. We call it the Tower of Babel. Right? Didn't go so well. And maybe you could say Noah's Ark was a God project. Noah was working on it with his family members, he and his sons. And God gave him the specific blueprint. And so he was overseeing the project. And, or maybe in the temple, uh, the tabernacle, when, when God told Moses, I want you to build the tabernacle. I want it to be this way and this size and this particular. But here's a project that we've never seen anything like this before. This is a God Project and all those other projects, people worked according to their skill set. What they were good at, what they were gifted at. If you were a goldsmith, you worked on the ark and so on and so forth. Now that doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't matter at all what your skill level is, your place in life. All that's been thrown out, and it's everyone. Everyone has a job to do. Everyone is called by God to be at work. When God has a project, the rules change, and now it becomes everyone. Have you ever felt like an idiot doing something that you knew you weren't supposed to be doing or that wasn't, didn't fit you? You know, besides... Every Sunday up here, there has been a time in my life where I was doing something that I felt so out of place. I mean, have you felt that way? Just like, I don't belong here. I should not be doing this. This is not my thing. This happened when, when Joy, my wife, she asked me to go with her to a tea house. And I did not know what a tea house was. Well, I'm thinking Starbucks, you know, this is... We're going to go and we're going to have tea. The place is called Queen Mary. That should have been the cue right there for me. But blockhead, I didn't get it. So we go into this place and right from the bat, I notice I should not be here. First of all, nobody in this place is wearing a Seahawks jersey. I am the only male in the whole place. And I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was looking for the door the minute we got in. It's all women. I mean, look at me. Here's John with all these women sipping tea and eating scones and doing women things. And I'm sure my face was beet red the whole time and I just wanted to leave. Because we feel comfortable doing stuff that we know, right? And that's the big, the big reason why we don't do very many things. 
is because we feel uncomfortable doing stuff we don't normally do. I mean, how would you like to come up and give the rest of this talk this morning? Most of you would not. But when there's a God project, according to this text, it looks like it's okay. It doesn't matter now that maybe this isn't something normal for you or something that you do on a regular basis or even your skill level or your place in society. None of that matters. When it's a God project, he sees it differently. Everybody's at work and it's okay. When God's doing a project, your strength doesn't matter. Your ability doesn't matter. All he's looking for is someone who says, I'm available. Here I am. I'm here to work. There's no record of anyone saying to Nehemiah, yeah, I'm not really in the masonry. That's not my thing. Surely somebody thought that, but nobody said that at all. Everybody said, I don't normally do this kind of thing, but this is a God project. Do you wonder, as I do, what those sections of the wall looked like that were done by the women or by the perfume guy? I mean, who knows? Maybe it was the best part of the wall. I don't know. But because it was a God thing, it didn't matter. There is no time in our church more like this than Easter. Easter is the one time of the year where this is a God project. I mean, every Sunday in our in Tacoma and Puyallup, this whole area, every Sunday of the year, you between somewhere in five and seven percent of our people are in our community. On that day, they're thinking, where should I go to church? They're planning on it. They're going to go to church somewhere. Five to seven percent. That's incredibly low. Do you realize on Easter, that jumps up to somewhere around 80 percent? 80 percent are somewhere in our community are thinking, where should we go to church on Easter morning? It's the one Sunday of the year where our community, our whole community nearly, is considering going somewhere and participating in a Christian service. It's remarkable. Remarkable. And in our case, when they show up on Easter morning, they get a nice brunch, nice music, and a talk on faith about Jesus. They get a chance to get a glimpse of who Jesus is and an opportunity then to follow up on that curiosity and become a part of Alpha and learn more in depth who Jesus is. Last service, there were people in that service who came to an Easter service like the rest of community does. They showed up at our Easter service, just came because they saw the sign They heard, they got the nice brunch, they heard a talk of faith, 
they said, you know what? I'd like to look at this a little further. They started going to Alpha. And within a few weeks of Alpha, they became followers of Christ and have been serving him ever since. And they're here at our, at our church. So that's what we're talking about, this one-shot chance of the year where it's an all-hands-on-deck. It's a God project. We have a God mandate to tell our community about the love of Christ. And on that one Sunday, that's when we need all hands on deck, everyone to be involved and engaged in Easter. It doesn't matter skill level or talent. It just matters that you're willing. You know, another thing about this uh, Nehemiah 3 is you see this phrase over and over and over next to him. There wasn't a single gap. So for miles and miles, you have this family here and then right next to them, this family. Right next to them, this family. And you can picture it in your mind, this long wall and all of these people repairing their section. Everyone has a clearly defined area. It wasn't just a free-for-all. You know, let's just, I'll help you, you help me, we'll all do what we can, and hopefully when we're done, it's all nice and repaired. That doesn't how they approached it. Everybody had a clearly defined section. To this corner, to this base, to this height was so-and-so's section, and next to him was his section. It is their sphere of responsibility. So when you're given that section, it's your responsibility to repair that and make that right. That's your job. And everybody worked according to the sphere they were given. Their sphere of influence. And each of us are given the same thing in our community. If you think about this, you have a sphere of influence that God has given you that is uniquely yours. No one else can do what you can do. You think about that. No one can invite your friends on Easter but you. I can't invite your friends. There's no way possible that I could go. We, you could provide a list. The whole church provides a list so John can go around and invite all of these friends to Easter. I'd have to start in June. It'd take me that long just to get through all of them. By then, they wouldn't even remember that they said they would go or not. You can't invite my friends. That would be weird. You come and talk to my friends, and like, well, why didn't you say anything, John? Right? God has given me my sphere of influence, and I must do it. If I don't do it, it won't be done. It doesn't happen. Each person here, you at your school, you at work, on your neighborhood, you have an area of influence in our community, and it belongs entirely to you. And if you won't do it, it won't get done. It just won't happen. That section of the wall, if you will, will not get repaired. 
And some people will say, well, I don't do that kind of thing because I'm not an outgoing person. No, I'm shy. And I, and I think that's true. Some people are really terrible at inviting, right? You, you're just so, you're so insecure and, and so concerned about yourself and how you're coming across. They're just terrible at it. But there are some that are really good at it. So maybe your main area of participation in this isn't inviting. It's something else. But there is something for everyone. Maybe your best place is on the prayer team. Or in some other area, you have your area of influence. We all do. And none of us can stand before God and say, Well, Lord, you gave me this area of influence, but I didn't have any opportunities. You know, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't do it. I have an excuse. And the Lord is going to say to you, he says, okay, well, let's listen to the podcast from March 15th, 2015, and let's just see what kind of opportunities you had. It isn't going to fly. You have your sphere of influence, and no one else can do it. So... I'm asking all of us this morning, every one of us, and I mean everyone, every single one of us, to be willing to serve somewhere. We have, uh, just incidentally, 11 categories that we've come up with there in the very back there. And you can see them all laid out, 11 categories of areas where you can serve. And if none of those fit you, talk to me, and we'll come up with what we can. For some people, giving is where you fit. You know, you, you have a lot more than other people do. Some people are just barely struggling to make it by. You're not. You've got plenty. You've got extra. So where we need you to be is in just that area of giving. So you give financially and that makes it so that that part of Easter is covered. Or maybe it's in the prayer team. You know, some people just terrified to pray in public or out loud and so they don't like that or are uncomfortable but other people they get into a prayer meeting and they just go and they're are able to do that and so prayer is your area or hosting a table you can you're you're a, a people person you know you're the kind of person that talks to somebody in the grocery line that you don't even know you know those kind of people and maybe you're that person and you're real comfortable talking to people. So you can host a table at Alpha. And there's eight to ten people at the table. And they're all exploring faith and trying to figure out who Jesus is. And, and you just uh, facilitate that conversation. Or the setup team and the teardown team. or There's all these different areas. Children's ministry. You love, love kids, working with kids, cooking food, serving food. There is somewhere, something for, say it again, everyone to do on Easter.